Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of The Podding Shed, the podcast of the ChelseaFCblog.com. Well, as public opinion apparently demanded, someone has finally found John Terry guilty of something. In a pretend courtroom somewhere in North London, Skippy and the marsupial, open brackets, would be, close brackets, magistrate, magistrates and his friends, considered the evidence, decided to ignore lots of it and banned him and fined him, but importantly didn't call him a racist, even though that was what everyone else seemed to be calling him within an hour or so of the report being released. A hashtag bunch of twats indeed. Yes, of course we mock, but we do have to ask the question as whether the world is as to whether the world has finally gone mad. Send a tweet with a fairly average insult, they call you to be banned from the England squad. Send one repeating a racist insult, first they fine you, then sit back and listen to the media clamour for you to be recalled. With Ryan Bertrand using naughty words on Twitter today, all it needs now is a pitter check to post an Instagram picture of him polishing his helmet, and surely civil disorder will ensue. <laughs> Joining me this week to try and make sense of all this, or to collectively decide that we move finally move the podding shed to the plains of the Midwest, somewhere west of Petersfield, fill it with tin goods and shotguns, and wait for Judgment Day with our tinfoil hats on, are Mark25, who is Mark. Hello. Dr. Blue Bio, who is Donal. Hello, and uh, I'd prefer Idaho up a mountain, but <clears throat> we can discuss that later. Absolutely. And Grocer Jack, who is Tony. Good evening, and I'm happy to go anywhere. <laughs> We've heard this. That's the scrouchy. Um... We will start, well, where else but with John Terry. Um, I ploughed my way through the FA's 63-page report, um, not in quite as much detail as, as some have. Um, it's worth looking at Dan Levine's takedown of um, 10 fairly, not all critical errors, but um, some, some fairly glaring ones. Um, gents, Mark, we'll start off with you. Just just your overall thoughts on the process that seems to have been followed and, and quite how the verdict can be reached as it has been. Actually, um, having read some of the posts from you and uh, Donal, I think you're probably better equipped and to, to give a more serious answer to this one. And um, I've probably reached saturation point on the John Terry story. Yeah. And I'm sort of thinking, surely we've already probed this cunt story to its full depth. But um, Quite. Um, <laughs> so, am I allowed to say that? On, um, on yeah. The... I, I suspect we may be up in front of the FA's panel in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> Carry on. iTunes is no problem with it. Well, on the basis it was written about 30 times within this 63-page legal document, it sort of seems fair game now. Even though I I have to admit I am generally embarrassed to use it. And whereas I may use the F word at Chelsea, I'd never use a C word, even though there are plenty around me who seem to. Mm. Um, But I'll I'll let you and um, Donald cover the um, legal bits. But I must just say, actually, that your... um, you, you caused me a little bit of embarrassment yesterday, Jonathan. I, I, I suspect I know exactly how I did it as well, but carry on. Really? Well, the um, the, the pictorial, the use of um, pictorials for um, the yes, it was that I was um, I travelled all the way to Dunstable to watch the recording of episode fifty-eight, or rather series fifty-eight of Sorry, I haven't a clue. Oh right, okay. Mm. I don't know if you're all familiar with that. We are. Oh yes, yes. Oh yes. Classic program on. Mm. BBC Radio 4 and often repeated on 4 Extra and as as you probably know the um, audience demographic is made up of people with grey hair and as you go into the audience all you, all you can see is this waft of grey and you can hear the rustling of programmes that they brought back from the Tory party conference <laughs> and the sort of gentle hum and clicking of pacemakers in the background Excellent. and I was sitting there um, and the lights were dimmed with about 10 minutes to go before the start. And I was lodged between my wife 
and a lady next to me on the other side, who I presume is a member of the Women's Institute, <laughs> and my phone <laughs> vibrated. And I thought, well, it's ten minutes ago, I haven't turned it off yet, I will check my email. So I, I drew my smartphone out of my pocket and swiped back the lock screen. And of course, the currently open application is displayed there in its full glory. And on my um, super large smartphone HD screen, emblazoned, <laughs> were four individuals with sparklers painting the word cunt. And either side of me, from the Women's Institute and my wife, there was a sharp intake of breath. And below the photo, as I scrolled down gently with my finger, was by Jonathan Dyer, a.k.a. Kaiser Johnny. Anyway, I apologised profusely. I said, I don't know how this got onto my screen. Marvellous. But I gave the woman from the Women's Institute your details, and in the few, next few days you can expect a letter from Mrs Trellis. Excellent. <laughs> I, sh I should go along and bake a fucking cake. Um, anyway, I think that covers my feelings on John Terry. Noted, noted. Um, Donald, you, you posted up a few quite pertinent points in terms of the evidence. Um, <clears throat> to be honest, I must. I've, I've followed this so closely. I, I'm, I'm also slightly at saturation point, but with a lot of the detail, I think you, you clearly sort of read through it and picked up a few salient points. If you just want to talk us through those, um, yeah. I, the only reason I, I've sort of paid it close attention because I, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, Chelsea fans, you're all out about this Terry thing, you've read everything, you know all the facts, you didn't seem so interested in the Suarez case, which, you know, in some ways is a, is a valid criticism. Fair point, yeah. <clears throat> um, and normally I, I, I sort of try and avoid these things. It's a sort of getting old, getting tired, you know, there's, there's only so much you can take. Um... I, uh, the only reason I followed it so closely was because I, when it first started, and that evening you heard the first <clears throat> stirrings of it coming through on, on the various social media and so on, it seemed a fairly open and, and shut case. And, you know, I thought, because I wasn't there and I hadn't seen it on Sky, but, you know, been listening on the radio or whatever, and... My first reaction was, well, you know, he's he's gone and put both feet in it this time. Um, and I suppose I've, I've followed it more closely because the previous John Terry hoo-ha, um, where he was, uh, you know, again, I, along with millions, <clears throat> assumed it was an open and shut case of, of having an affair, etc., with... Uh, Bridges' um, ex-partner, and it was only in, in the months after that, as you read more and more about it, and, and respected journalists like Nick Davis in the Guardian <coughs> interviewed her, although she generally didn't speak to the press. It, it seemed less certain as to what had gone on, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, and the die is cast by that point, obviously. Yeah, um, and so. Assuming a similar thing might be happening with this, I, I, I paid it relatively close attention such that I, I did follow the reports of a variety of journalists. You know, you, I couldn't get hold of a transcript of the trial, but 
you know, you, you got a fairly good idea of what was being said. <clears throat> and I also read the court judgment. And so when it came to the FA, I, I, you know, read that as well in order to, to, to try and form my own opinion, because obviously with a lot of these things, you, you, you make a knee-jerk reaction and you... Then have to inform yourself. Yeah. So, so um, and uh, I think like many, if, if you don't, if you don't know who John Terry is and you don't know anything about him, you possibly do assume that, yes, he has racially abused someone, or perhaps you don't because you, you, you don't know who he is and you think there might be a context, particularly when he himself and some of the evidence gives a context. And my problem with myself and with many is that it's all coloured by who he is and whether you're a Chelsea fan or a fan of John Terry or someone who, you know, we don't, I don't know him from Adam really other than that he plays football for the team I support. And, you know, I, I still struggle with it. I, I don't think I'll ever make up my mind. Uh, and I worry that, you know, I'm, I'm like I said in my thing on, on, the, on the blog, that I worry that I'm being an apologist. But I, I, I at least have satisfied myself, satisfied myself that I've read things and read as much evidence as is available to us. And I do find some of it a little confusing and a little strange. Yeah. And... Um, even the court judgment, I thought, the way the magistrate interpreted certain things seemed to me to be not, ne not necessarily backed up by the evidence, but on, in other areas he seemed to be quite uh, more balanced about something than you might have expected him to be. So when it came to the FA, their sort of way of expressing themselves and talking about it, or rather the commission, because obviously they are separate, supposedly, from the FA. I was going through it, and, and obviously a lot of it is legalese. I'm not legally trained. I, I don't, you know, a lot of it you have to plough through and try and keep in your head and so on and so forth. But one thing sprang out at me straight away, and it was the part where they said, just as though it was a given, that uh, somewhere around an hour after the game, uh, Ferdinand had this discussion with Terry and Cole in the, in the changing room. Now, that patently didn't happen. And it was important that they recognise that that didn't happen because it goes to part of, of his defence. You know, the, the assumption is they got in the changing room, their phones were going mad, We've got to cook some. I've got to cook something up. I dragged my mate Cole in. We, we we set up this thing. That didn't happen. And Chelsea went to some, or his defence went to some length. They got the, the coach driver in. No one questioned the tachograph evidence, and the evidence was that they had left the ground by quarter to six. Uh, sorry, by quarter to seven. Now that game couldn't have finished much before ten five to to six. So they were gone well within an hour. And that was time to dress, shower, and also have this interview. It doesn't mean that Terry didn't uh, abuse Ferdinand. I'm not saying that at all. But it certainly backs up part of what he was saying. And 
it makes some of Ferdinand's evidence appear unreliable. And I don't mean unreliable in that he's lying or he's making it up. It's in that his recollection was, oh, probably an hour had gone by because that's what normally happens after a game. But it was important that that sort of time hadn't lapsed because it meant there was less time for Terry somehow to, to concoct this amazing set of coincidences and so on and so forth. And I, the way they just alighted over it and took Ferdinand's version, which even the judge had, you know, not taken completely on board, uh, sorry, the magistrate, you know, immediately sort of set alarm bells ringing. And I, I just, I don't know, I, I, that and then when I got to the bit about his PR statement that was made shortly after the game, where they insist that they have to take the exact wording. So you put together a little short statement to say, yes, I said something, but I was reacting to what was said to me. You don't sort of stand outside somewhere and read out to the press, he said FFFing, FFTCCC, and I said FFFCC, but you don't, do you? You say, this happened, and I was responding to this. But they insist that this is a new piece of evidence because the judge said he hadn't actually read the press release, and they're saying, well, the press release, Terry says these words, when in fact he actually said these words. And that, you know, that's a new piece of evidence, and it somehow, you know, means he's lying. They were trying too hard, and, and that, I think, is, is something that's a bit unsettling, because ultimately no one heard it. No. I mean, I think just, just I've got the, the summary of the... Um the court judgment up in front of me. Um, and, you know, one of the key lines of the summary, nobody has been able to show that he is lying. The lip readers do not provide evidence that categorically contradicts his account, um, and so on. So I've assessed John Terry as a credible witness. And it's worth sort of going back to the, you know, the final paragraph. Weighing all the evidence together, I think it's highly unlikely Mr. Ferdinand accused Mr. Terry on the pitch of calling him a black cunt. However, I accept it is possible that Mr. Terry believed at the time and believes now that such an accusation was made. The prosecution evidence as to what, mis- what was said by Mr. Ferdinand at this point is not strong. Mr. Cole gives corroborating, although far from compelling corroborating evidence on this point. It is therefore possible that what, what he said was not intended as an insult, but rather as a challenge to what he believed to, be, to have been said to him. In those circumstances, there being a doubt, the only verdict the court can record is one of not guilty. So that, I mean, that's kind of a pretty good summary of yeah. of, every, of, of, of of the whole thing in a nutshell. Um, I mean, you could, you could go on for hours, and I'll just say yeah. one last thing, because, you know, otherwise we'll be here all night. Um, the other thing that strikes me is that in both what was said in court, funny enough, people were saying things, journalists were recording it, and if you compared all their different... Um, writings of what they'd heard, they all wrote different things very often about exactly the same sentence that was, or piece of evidence that's been given. And it's this idea that <clears throat> somehow it was amateur dramatics night and Mr. Ferdinand, his script says, you know, you are an effing this, to which Terry replies, you are this, to which he replies, and that there was this sort of stage conversation taking place going up the pitch. There was obviously... It simply wasn't like that, was it? There's, there's plenty of time for stuff to be said as you run up the pitch. They could... They were probably both talking at the same time. A lot of things were being probably shouted backwards and forwards. 
Now, if you ask John Terry or uh, Anton Ferdinand to recall exactly what they said, they, they would only recall parts of it, and they won't necessarily recall the order properly. And the magistrate addressed this. You know, he said that people will never, ever give you chapter and verse of exactly what they said correctly. Hence, you get Cole, Terry and Ferdinand all having three different recollections of what supposedly took place in the changing room. And this idea that somehow these three words and some other words which you don't see because there's a head in the way uh, then preceded by the F off, F off, F off that he's saying this completely in isolation is Ferdinand still talking at the time? Yeah. You know, how much is going on? And the idea that people seem to be arguing that the effing knobhead bit at the end you know, somehow it shows how angry he is. Whereas to me, and obviously I've never written a play or anything in my life, you might say something to someone in a questioning fashion as, you know, if, you know, you think I called you an effing whatever, and then your voice drops, effing nobbit. Now you watch him, he turns away as he finishes saying effing black sea. And he sort of all, you know, his head sort of drops like, effing nobbit. You know, and, that's the insult. He's calling him an effing knobhead, having repeated. I'm not saying that that's exactly true, but it's a, it's more plausible to me than you would first think when you actually watch a little bit of video. You can see, but you know, it's they they use this language all the time on the pitch. They shouldn't. I don't know how you ever address that. Um, you know, I, I work on construction sites and so on. This sort of stuff goes on all the time. You know, it's, but it shouldn't happen on the pitch because they're on telly and blah, 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 but, but it does. And, you know, if you're going to fight racism, if you're going to change attitudes, yes, you have to go after this sort of thing, mm. but, you, but you need to have something a bit more, I think. It, it, it sort of because otherwise it looks like, like you're just trying to get someone, get someone big on anything you can. Mm. And there's plenty going on elsewhere which you could be after. Yeah. And finally, it's Barnard. I don't know what they're going to do about this guy because a Chelsea senior figure in Chelsea's management has been accused of lying, basically. Yes, it's pretty interesting to see what. That's, um, yeah, I'd be interested to see what Chelsea do about that because that's quite key in all this. Well, yeah. I, I, my, my my take on that is if they've accused um, Barnard of lying and and by implication Ashley Cole as well, which I find, you know, he's given he's given evidence under oath. Uh, in, a, in a court of UK law, isn't that isn't that touching on libel? Isn't that? Uh, I did not far off. I would su- suspect. Would, well, it, I yeah, well one wonders whether you know the club are going to sit there and say, "Hold on a minute, you've you've effectively smeared one of our uh, our people here, and, and you're not a court of law. We have to work under your articles. Of course we do, but um, that's you know that's they, they you know the FA don't have parliamentary privilege do they they don't have the right to sit there and basically say what they like about somebody um when you know, when they've been you know sworn under oath in a court of law i i it's I probably, it's probably if you read it carefully worded such that they don't actually say but you know to any my view of it is is they can get away with calling john terry or ashley cole you know liars because you know to the world, they're a couple of scrotes. Yes, but the, the shocking you know, thing is that they're actually they've actually gone after quite in quite a serious yes. way. They've gone after 
the club secretary. And, you know, uh, that's, that's a big, I see that as a bigger problem for Chelsea in the long run. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting one as well because there was a, 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 a an unbelievably pompous, overblown, pious, self-righteous load of bollocks written in the Observer uh, in their editorial on Sunday. You weren't keen. Then. <laughs> uh, uh, well, it was it was unbelievable because you know I, I'm reading um, Donald's um, comment on the blog and you know your excellent article. Uh, what I find most disturbing about any of this and, and just taking a slight it starts away from John Terry whether he's guilty or not I, you know part of me thinks just give it all up and just take the bloody fine and the punishment and you know keep your gob shut stop the press interviews let Frank do the post-match interviews as vice-captain keep your head down don't get involved with any FA uh, charities or initiatives or whatever you don't have to you don't need to do a Duncan Ferguson man famous for never talking to anybody apart from maybe Jimmy Bullard or whatever but um, <laughs> you, you get my point I think there's, yeah, there's, yeah, I... there's a degree of civil disobedience that could happen there but I, I and the club themselves are a powerful club okay they have a powerful presence within uh, the league and everything like that and I think they should seriously look at this and say you know you've slurred one of our people over. but what I find more disturbing about this is the undercurrent from the observer and a lot of other people that in some way or another, because I haven't come out and condemned John Terry, Barnard um, uh, uh, and Ashley Cole, that implies me as a racist. I'm supporting racism, yeah. I yeah. I think and it's the old George W. Bush, if you're not with us, then you're against us. Mm. Uh, that's right, potentially I could be, and I will be against you if I make a good enough argument. And it, it kind of fundamentally, I know it veers away from football, but we seem to be living in a fairly... Uh, you know whether it's the recession or whatever it is, um, whether the hacks are actually hitting the headline and then finding the facts behind it. But we seem to be living in a lynch mob kind of culture at the moment, which is you know John Terry. You've got the Ashley Cole thing. You're on a completely different plane. You've got you know one person complains about Jimmy Savile. Oh, within a, a week, a hundred people have complained about him. Lance Armstrong, guilty by. Uh, what is at best circumstantial evidence on the word of a number of people, but it's the weight of evidence, etc. You know, and, and irrespective would, of whether they, if irrespective of whether those people are guilty, they have been now found guilty. Okay, not in a court of law by the media. They are forming the opinions and putting these things across to people where they have not... You know, whichever way you cut it, Lance Armstrong has never failed a drugs test. Never. He has, Tony. He has, that's the problem. I mean, we could go into this all night. Yeah, I, well, I yeah, you could. But I, 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 I understand your point. I think... Evidence. But it's, a, I think it's, the, it's um, just a lynch mob mentality. And, and, and the implication... That, and, and go and read the Observer. I urge you to read that editorial. Oh, it did, basically yeah, said did. it basically said that the club are racist, that the fans are racist. If we do not come out and we do not condemn John Terry and Barnard and all those people for it, that's, but, why, I know, the, that's why I made the point uh, on the blog that you know percentage-wise, there are there is a high percentage of uh, black men playing football in this country compared to the percentage in the population. Um, and one of the big bugbears is that that percentage is not filtering through into the higher echelons of the sport. Mm. Chelsea have got a black director of football and they have a black yeah. senior assistant coach in Eddie Newton. Now, I'm not saying that that means we should all go, ooh, ooh, aren't we lovely? All I'm trying to say is that, you know, if you're going to call Chelsea a club of racists, you have to question why 
those people are working for Chelsea, want to work for Chelsea, have been offered those jobs by Chelsea. And, mm. you know, a lot of other clubs in the Premier League don't even have that sort of representation. Poor as it is, if you want to go down that road. And, you know, the John Terry thing is troubling, it's difficult. <clears throat> I, I, I find some of the vilification of Anton Ferdinand a bit hard to take. His brother, you could say, is different in that he, you know, actively courts this sort of thing. I don't think Anton Ferdinand did. You know, if he believes something, he may have good grounds for believing it. He didn't actually make the accusation that was an off-duty policeman. You know, the whole thing is just... It's just descended into a most sort of sordid drama. Mm. But at the centre of it, there is... In the end, to me, it, it's a bit nebulous. You know, you, you're making the assumptions that John Terry is a certain type of person and therefore he said what he said in the way he said it. If you back him, then you have to believe that he was saying it in the way that he says he said it. But mm. in the end, it's very hard to, it's very hard to tell, you know. And it just all smacks of McCarthyism in a more... You know, well, I think I mean I think this is the key thing, and it's one of the things that I, I sort of touched upon in my article. And there's other people. There's a guy called Michael Volpe, I think, who is on Twitter, and he wrote an article which I think ended up on Huffington Post um, about you know, I think the subjects of you know we all know what John Terry was. We want to know what John Terry's like, which is, um, I think it's a, it's a quote from Craig Bellamy, you know, it's just that kind of well, you know we all know what he's like, and the premise being is my, my contention about this was. The moment people cottoned on to the footage, you know, a day or so after the game, looked at it and went, well, it's John Terry, isn't it? It must be, you know, it must be true. You know, that unfortunately, you know, give a dog a bad name, which, to be perfectly fair, JT has worked on giving himself over the years for one reason or another. Um, you know, he's not a spotless character, but then again, none of us are. Um, is that it, it sort of didn't really matter, you know, if the court had thrown the case out after a day and the FA panel had looked at it and said there's simply no case to answer here people would still have made up their minds All right, the, the media furore wouldn't have been there to this extent but people people made up their minds a long time ago You know, it's John Terry, it must be true um, and, and the FA, once the FA charged him, you knew that he was going to be found guilty because yeah. 90 something staggering percentage yes, of cases go before the FA. I mean, it's 98%, isn't it? I think it's, it's 99.5. It's, yeah, I mean, it's the point of, the point about the FA is, and I, I have a sort of a minor degree of, of, of sympathy with them in the sense that one way or another. You know, a you know he said the words on a football pitch, and if if you take you know the, some of the the shabby evidence and and the way that the case has been put together, if you put that to one side, it's sort of pretty simple. If you say that on a football pitch, you know they're going to they will find you guilty because you you cannot say that on a football pitch. And you know my sort of little analogy in the article, you know, if I shout cunt at someone, I, it's it doesn't matter if it's on a football pitch. It doesn't matter whether I say well I was actually quoting D H Lawrence. I'm afraid, you know, you're guilty kind of thing. Now, that's a very broad way of looking at it, and obviously there are, there are big flaws in that. Yes, it's fine, you know, using this sort of slightly flimsy balance of probability, probabilities thing where there's not enough footage to show, you know, Craig Bellamy elbowing someone. But, you know, the guy's lying there on the floor afterwards holding his nose and Craig Bellamy's rubbing, rubbing his elbow 
backbone and, and, and sort of shrugging your shoulder. If you're using that kind of, you know, balance of probabilities for that sort of thing, fair enough. I have no issue with that. But this and, you know, and the Suarez case have shown that, you know, when you're actually talking about something as serious, this could potentially be career-ending, you know, whether Terry keeps his sponsorship deals, I will be very interested to see in maybe a year or so's time what kind of new deal he is offered. Um, it's just not enough because, you know, you can say we are convinced that he is not a racist or you like. That's the judgment that people have made. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's how this is this is following on. Yeah. Um, it does seem a bit of a double standard, that's all. I, 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 no, me, I agree, I, I, I agree. I, I, you know, I read the article that Pete, um, Pete Watts put a link up to, um, mm. uh, you know, and someone's actually pointed out and put a YouTube clip up there of Craig Bellamy calling Tim Kroll a Dutch, Gareth, uh, nine weeks after that QPR game. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, when you reviewed the charge against JT, right next to the word race, it says nationality. What's the difference? Seriously, what is the difference? Mm. You know, and and people can say, well, you know, there isn't the history there of, you know, don't, I'm sorry, you know, we, we, we don't base stuff on, on the history of something from 200 years ago. That's a ridiculous thing. So I just think that, um, you know, <coughs> they've set a precedent for themselves here. And I would expect anybody who says, who, 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 who calls someone a, a Paddy or whatever, you know, that comes out on the football pitch to face the same punishment. I really do. And I'm, you know, I don't think you can have degrees think, of race, racism. I really don't believe that. But I think that it's I like think, having it's like being a little bit pregnant, or you know, it was a you know degrees of murder, which we don't have in this country. Mm. I think the, the the interesting point about this, having spoken to a, a couple of barristers who deal in deal in sports law, this thing, this sort of thing, does actually happen. Not a lot, but it does happen. Um, and you know, I know at least one guy who said he sat with you know guy who's been accused of saying you know you black arsehole or whatever it happens to be and he, he, he said I can see you know you can tell the ones who are genuine and the ones who aren't you know that's kind of your job to sort of you know work out where your client is at and, uh, and defend him to the best of your ability and he said he's had guys that have genuinely been you know tearful and, and, and very very regretful saying you know I, it was a spur of the moment it was stupid it was awful I was trying to wind the guy up I was trying to get him sent off and you know, I, I deeply, deeply regret it. And the vast majority of the time, yeah, you know, it's 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 a lower league thing. It's a ban. It's a fine. But you know, this this you know, unfortunately, it, it was the England captain. Um, it was on TV. It's it's you know, it's a huge, huge, great yeah. issue. Um, I think it will be interesting to see what happens over the, the coming days after you know. The, the England game tomorrow and so forth as to exactly how how this continues to bubble on because I don't think I mean Cole, Cole's tweet I, you know I appreciate why he did it and he was obviously very angry but it, it, it's one of those stories that is just the more we comment and the more we react and you know Ryan Bertram today now you know football swearing on a tweet it probably wouldn't have made the news but all of a sudden it becomes a big issue because it's all tied in and one way or another you know Roman Abramovich is a fairly decisive chap and there will come a point where I suspect he will get pissed off with it. I suspect he already is in the sense that, you know, we're top of the, we're European champions, we're top of the league, we're playing some of the best football we've ever seen with, with two or three, you know, genuine world, super, potential world superstars on our books um, involved in all this. And all anyone is talking about 
is three words that were said at Loftus Road a year ago. Yeah. Um, and I suspect that he's probably not terribly happy about that. You know, there's probably little point in second guessing what the guy thinks, but, mm. you know, I, personally I would imagine he's not terribly pleased. And, you know, it's, it's only going to take one phone call from him to, to shut all this down. How that will, whether that will happen and what form that will take is anyone's guess. But, you the, know, the, only, the only thing that makes me think it, or, or that sort of fascinates me, interests me about this whole thing is, is you know, both sides seem to put up this endless supply of people who will stand up either to say, well, you know, he should be thrown out of the game or he should get a long ban, he should this. Others who are saying, he's the greatest bloke in the world, you know, he's always been nice to me. Mm. You know, it, it, it's this business of, you know, dividing football. You know, there, there are a lot of black players who seem to be genuinely angry about the whole thing. And, well, you know, understandably... And, you know, at, at one point, I, I assumed that somewhere along the line, something more would leak out, you know, a history, you know, almost Jimmy Savile-like, if you like. And that doesn't appear to have happened. And I don't know, it, it, it will depend, I suppose, Abramovich will, will take the view as to, you know, in the end, if he believes Terry, believes that he's, you know, genuine, then he, he, he may well back him. Uh, if Terry and Cole are in any way... You know, acted against. I, I still come back to this club secretary thing. I, that's, that was the bit that I found quite. You know, I was prepared for the sort of hammering that Terry and Cole might take, but I didn't expect that. And um, I'll be interested to see what happens with that because he's a man apparently of some standing. I think he sits on an FA council. He's, yeah, he's, and, you know, he's been, it's not. You know, he's been in the, you know been in the game. I, th- I think possibly with us for about thirty years. You know, he's, he's kind of a well-regarded. Co- Oh, so on the, on the one hand, you have a player who's, who's only been red carded four times, isn't that, you know, reputation for never losing his temper, and a man who's been around the game for years, has been club secretary of various clubs, has been at Chelsea for that amount of time, actually puts himself right out on a limb by lying about a statement that Ashley Cole made. It, it strikes you as, you know, an awful lot of people doing an awful lot of daft things. If that is really the truth. You know, I find it's, to, to credit, but yeah. you could talk about this forever and never get to any conclusion. No, I, I think that's the thing. I, it's um, it's interesting actually. Just just come off my Twitter feed. David James has, has pitched in and said, "Well, the headline is David James has accused football's anti-racism campaign is making too much of the issues, insisting he no longer saw a problem in the game." Now that that's that's a very you know he's a very high-profile black player and a very intelligent guy as well. For him to pitch in with something like that, and he was oddly enough speaking at the leaders of football conference at Stamford Bridge, no less, um, has chipped in with some with some quite interesting comments. You know, he also made the comment I saw somewhere that. Uh if you'd said it in the stands, you'd have been thrown out, which possibly is true as well. But you know, uh, I think I think he's tried to be fairly balanced about the thing. From mm. I haven't read the whole transcript of it, but I think he's trying to. Yeah, well, I mean, the quotes. I'll, I'll read the quotes out here. You know, forty-two-year-old who hopes to embark on his own career in management after competing his completing his UEFA Pro license said, "I struggle with the racist issue in football because I don't see it, and that's not because I've got my head in the sand. In the earlier days, yes, but the game's changed. There are some wonderful organisations out." There which have helped football become a much more enjoyable game for everyone. Stuff in the crowd being aimed at players, that's gone or pretty much gone. I just don't hear it anymore. Mm. So it's, it's for someone... It has polarised. Yeah, it like has polarised, isn't it? It's quite a big thing, I think. 
I think it's polarised as well. You've got a, you know, there's a fair degree of, of of black players who've come out and said never had a problem with him, blah blah blah. And then you've got the, the you know the kind of bandwagon jumpers, the you know Jason Roberts and the uh, Garth. I've got to say this right. It's Garth. Crooks, isn't it? Not Brooks. One's a country singer. Yeah, one's... Uh, one's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I'm oh, pretty sure the country singer was a better footballer as well, though. Um, well, I mean, Garth, I mean, Garth Crooks, unfortunately, he loses an awful lot of people's respect because he he, come, he tries to put himself across as very intellectual. And he made a comment at the weekend about the player, I can't remember. James Morris. It was James Morrison, wasn't it? And you just thought... God above! I mean, it's the sort of thing. If one of us made a mistake like that on a podcast, you know, the rest of us would rip the piss mercilessly. Mm. You know, this guy's paid probably you know six figure salary per year to to get this you know basic stuff right. I you know which country does this man play? He suggested England should be looking at him. <laughs> so yeah, he's already had twenty two caps for Scotland. I mean, that's just that's just abysmal. I mean, that's you know, it, it and and it's it's one of those things that you know it, it's research and journalism and so forth you know there are people who've done an awful lot of work Dan Devine I, I keep citing but he's you know he's followed this case from start to finish he was at the game he's you know he followed it right from the very beginning and he's pulled apart every single document that's been produced about it and he's done it in a rational way and come to a, you know a number of conclusions some of which I don't agree with but you know at least there's thought gone into it it's not just you know literally scanning through a document and picking the bits that support your case out and, and ignoring the rest but um, but yeah it's 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 anyone's guess exactly what will happen next um, it's got to happen fairly soon because he, he's only got a certain amount of days left to appeal in hasn't he and if he doesn't yes. appeal then he yes, takes October the 18th yeah mm. Mm. he's got until the 18th yeah, I think um, because Cole Cole is actually Cole's hearing is he doesn't have to be present, but I think that's next week. Yeah, at some point. But I, I'm assuming that will be just be a fine, like you know, um, Frimpong and Ferdinand got for offensive tweets, um, and Treesman apparently has said um, you know he's he's clear to play for England, which is interesting in the sense that I assume that Roy Hodgson was the man who decided who. Well, Treesman's the one who's. The, the rather shamed one who made all the accusations and ended up having to fall on his sword who's come out and said that the, uh, oh, the, the length of the band wasn't, wasn't long enough for Terry etc you know because yes. um, uh, he, he managed to pick up his pitchfork on the way back from the Dole office I imagine um, <laughs> but yeah. well, considering the Fiori four games you know again uh, you know the other side of this is that you know for something that sort of had the country rocking um, it wasn't a very long ban, you know, uh, long enough, I suppose. And obviously, from Terry's point of view, if he believes he's innocent, any ban and fines. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think people were expecting him to be gone for like a month, you know. Uh, yeah. It's, I don't know. I, so I just want to have one last, my one last word is I will be very interested to see if the fine that Ashley Cole will now get for his tweet um is more than the forty thousand pound that Rio Ferdinand got for the chalk ice thing. That 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 will tell me a lot about where the FA's head is. Well, I t- it's an in- it's sort of an interesting dilemma for them in the sense that I think they tie it to I think it's tied to salary mm. um, or a portion of salary or something along those lines. So it's going to be very interesting to see, given that you know chalk ice technically in the way it was said is a, is a racist comment, whereas you know Ashley Coles is just a plain old insult. So yeah. 
exactly. it, it's sort of going to be an indicator as to what they view more seriously, mm. one or the yeah. other. Yeah. And am I right in thinking that, because uh, obviously I'm going back now to when young chaps went to school in, you know, short trousers and so on, but uh, when we were first using that term, uh, it was widely believed to be a pregnant fish. I take it that's no longer the case. <laughs> <laughs> not one I've heard of before. Really, yeah. yeah. We were all person, in the playground yeah. going, what is it for <laughs> the, uh, you know, there's always one kid who appears more advanced well, uh, than the rest was, of you. It, uh, it meant a lot less in the part of London where I came from. Um, mm. It was like a, you know, a, a variation on twit or twat, really. That's all we used to mm. come out with. And then I said it one day at work when I worked for Southern Electric in Slough, and the guy from Macclesfield fell off his frigging chair. He did because he said, "You can't say that out loud." I said, "Why?" He said, "That's worse than the c word." I said. What? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? You know. So I, I guess there's regional variations on, on meanings or whatever. But uh, yeah, in, interesting one. I just sat there and almost said to him, "Fuck off, you twat." You know. But there you go. Um, I, never, I never used to think it was offensive. Actually, um, it was only my wife pointed out to me what the definition was. So I stopped using it quite so frequently. Yeah. yeah. And also, it, when it, you it, are it young, you just use words that you yeah. just think are offensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I remember when I was 13, I was away skiing. And we were going. We went with another family, and it was a bit of a boring evening. And I don't know why, but I ended up playing Scrabble with my mother, and the um, other mother from the other family. If you get the picture. Mm. Mm. And um, there were no car keys involved or anything, were there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was only thirteen. And um, you're never too young to learn. My vocab was has always been limited, but I did manage to construct the word dildo. Which for a thirteen-year-old with the mother and the friend of the mother probably is a pr- inappropriate, and we used to call people dildo at school, and I just used to yes. think it was sort of a, f- a sort of friendly, abusive Family term. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until a while later, after that scrabble session, that I actually found out what it meant, and I was slightly <laughs> horrified that I'd used it. It's um, yeah, it's, it's it's all a learning. Well, had you your family obviously hadn't got a strong background in consumer electronics, I suppose that was a problem. <laughs> well, not in those days. <laughs> all battery operated. It would, it would have taken a massive great battery out of the Morris Minor to get it going. You know, like, <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> I think, um, oh, right. Yeah, so, well, that's that's, no, that's the end of that. Little I think that's, I think it's fair enough. I think it, it's one of those. See, I was I was channel hopping the other night, and um, the Blues Brothers was on, um, which which is obviously, as we know, is a very fine film, and it, it's there was a scene that that kind of struck me as as would have been kind of quite appropriate, in the sense that it, it would have probably made everyone happy. And, and, and been suitable in the sense that if the nun had been standing there with John Terry and Ashley Cole in the in the desks with the big stick and you know John Terry says I didn't say you FBC crack with the stick Ashley Cole says you twat crack with the stick I, I just think it would have you know kind of finished things off quite nicely mm. but that's just me you know it's almost a Python-esque she could have replaced the stick with a salmon I would have had no problem with that at all that would have worked just fine Um, I think um, probably until until the the next offensive tweet pronouncement, appeal uh, article, editorial we've probably done that one to death for the time being Um, yeah I think so uh, my sense of uneasiness will always linger over this because although I haven't read it I do believe that you know 
for once, we're actually in the same company as Rod Little, and uh, that, that would always make me feel unclean. <laughs> <clears throat> this, of course, is very true. Um, so what we will do is we will move on to... Um, to football! To some football. Let's have some football, Johnny. Exactly, which, um, which in, in the current context is actually something of a relief. Um, we're obviously just approaching um, International Weekend, which um, I think Frank's injured... Ryan Bertrand's pulled out with a fucking swollen glands or whatever he tweeted earlier on today. Um, Cole may or may not be picked. It's it's up to Roy. So you know how, how much Chelsea interest there is in the England game is open to question. But um, but we will go back to Norwich last weekend. Um, Mark, you've um, rested your uh, your vocal cords to a certain degree during the um, half an hour of ranting that's gone before. Um, your thoughts on the Norwich game, please. Mark, are you there? Oh, sorry, I was distracted. I was just selling something on eBay. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> it was my Jim Fix It piece of consumer electronics. No, no, it was my Jim will fix it badge. I've got seven bidders so far. By the way, um, one of the headlines on construction news, because obviously we get this circulated to us on, you know, electronically by mail because we're in that sort of industry. One of the uh, headlines in construction news was the well-known cement mixing firm Jim Will Mix It have decided to stick with the name. <laughs> Excellent work. Just, just, I offer that up for what it's worth. That's fair enough. Uh, just uh, as an aside, it's well worth digging around. Um, Rob Bryden um, was interviewed in the Telegraph about a year or so ago and I, I imagine the poor man is cringing like nobody's business. He absolutely, it's just after Jimmy Savile died, and he is absolutely singing the guy's praises for what a difference he made to people's lives. And, and he actually says, you know, they, you know, everyone's been, you know, lots of speculation, oh, it'll all come out after he dies, but look, you know, he's dead, and, the, you know, nothing's been said, you know, the man's a saint, da-da-da-da-da. And I imagine he must cringe every word of it, he, you know. Anyway. Mark, over to you. Football. Norwich. Norwich. Yeah. I mean, um, I can't remember the last game that we covered, but it's sort of all blurring into one game now. Um, but Norwich was um, an excellent game. And um, so far we've taken 19 out of 21 points. So who's complaining? Um, we went 1-0 down fairly on early on to Norwich with the um, hefty frame of Grant Holt smashing home down at the Matthew Harding end uh, but even at that point I felt all the way along we were going to win by three or four goals and I said that to all the people around me who were all looking a little bit worried and that they didn't I believe but I, I proved to be right and um, we got a goal back very quickly and um, we completely outplayed them and played some very very pleasing stuff and, and what's going on in the middle between Mata Oscar and Hazard really is very very exciting and Oscar is now my favourite. For the first three games of the season, I was sort of taken by Hazard after his spectacular debut away to Wigan, and he was my favourite. And on the blog, I changed my avatar to a Hazard warning sign. Mm. But you may have noticed that recently you are I've now changed my... an Oscar. I'm um, now an Oscar. And I'm very fickle, and I do blow very quickly with the wind. And um, in two or three weeks' time... Mikel, sorry, I didn't mean that. Maybe my favourite, but uh, probably not. But um, now Oscar seems to have everything, 
And what amazes me is that for such a um, stealing uh, Donald's phrase, I think, waif-like person, how tough and resilient he is. And, and mm. Ramirez is the same. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to Ramirez, mm. but neither of them are afraid to get stuck into anybody. Mm. And I always He's... remember when I was playing football when I was younger, you know, people of bigger size, you always sort of made sure you were 10 yards away from them. <laughs> but those two don't seem to ha have any concept of difference in size, body weight. They'll, they'll, they'll just go into every tackle and it's um he's not scared is he he really place, is quite a, quite a punchy little chap um mm. it's just uh, intriguingly as as you talk about apparently he has just scored for brazil against iraq excellent yeah. excellent um, work well done that man the, the only other point on norwich was um as i blow hot and cold on um who's my favorite i do blow hot and cold on torres and i'm still no clearer to making up my mind whether it's going to be a you know good thing that we've got Torres or a bad thing and um he scored against Norwich which was great but he did have two one-on-ones um and and the first one was I think it was still nil-nil at the time and he was running up towards the shed end and he just had the goalie in front of him and we all said shoot shoot and what he did instead was try and drag the ball back and across the goal and the ball got taken off him and then in the second half, I think we were winning 4-1 at the time, and he had a one-on-one one -on -one super ball through. And um, the goalkeeper made a save. And I do feel for that sort of um, level of superstar, he does have to be a bit more clinical. So I'm, I'm still very undecided about Torres. I, I know what you mean, actually. I, I have to say, I'm not the guy's biggest fan, but to be entirely fair, he's... You know, he, he's actually had a reasonably decent season. There's still points that you criticise him for, but I think he's got what five in um, in ten games, something like that. And I think the other five in eleven, which is you know, that's a good return. Wasn't um, there's been other strikers like that, and Elka was very much like that in his early days with Arsenal. People accused him of being wasteful. Andy Cole was another one, um, but you know, mm. the fact was they got one or two goals a game. They might have had eight chances, but I'd rather have a player with eight chances getting two than a player with two who gets none, I suppose, in that point of view. But um, I don't know. I like, I like Torres. I like, I like the way he holds up play. I, I, I like the way he, he's become more Renelka-like in the sense that, you know, he can ghost past people and he can set others up. He's not, you know, completely selfish. And I think that's maybe what we're... Um, we're a mm. bit, you know, makes people a bit dubious about him. They're, they're expecting an out-and-out -out goal scorer, and the fact is the guy might be just adapting his game to a different style of play, and the fact that he's getting a bit older and he's had a couple of injuries, and, you know. Yeah, I uh, think it was always, um, you know, she Shevchenko never really recovered from the fact that he was never, he wasn't quite as quick after his, his slightly dodgy knee just before he joined us. Um, but Torres does appear to at least be adapting and he works hard. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe he is, you know, maybe we won't get 30 goals a season out of him. But frankly, you know, the rate he's going, he's going to do okay. Um, yeah. Just on that note, I mean, so the Oscar apparently, we, we were slightly behind, or my Twitter feed was slightly behind the, um, behind the game there because Oscar got two um, for Brazil against Iraq and Brazil are currently 6 0 up. Yeah. Not far from finishing, um, so he obviously had quite a good day, um, and he's not injured, frankly, which is you know obviously a good thing. Um, I, um, I, I wondered about. Uh, I watched. I sort of wasn't there. I watched it on screen, sort of thing. But I got the impression, not because I wasn't really looking at Torres, but it, it sort of weighed in on me after a while that a lot of the a lot of the moves seemed to break down around him. Now, obviously, sometimes, you know, that's a ball being played into him and he's got two men on him, 
it's hard to, to hold the ball up. But there were quite a few occasions where, in comparison to, say, Hazard, who rarely loses the ball, um, and Mata and Oscar, who also now, you know, are making it more difficult for people to get the ball off them, it's, it still seems to me that he, he, he loses the ball too easily. You know, that I'm not rubbishing him. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that no. yeah, as long as he scores the goals, I suppose that's fine. All but, good. I think know, it's, um, it, there is that sort of element that I keep thinking for a player of his quality, he sometimes he seems very loose on the ball sometimes. I mean, it's just an impression. I, I can't back that up with statistics or anything. But I think, just an uh, did we, did we not used to say the same about Didier Drogba? Um, I don't believe I, I ever did. did, Tony. Well, I, 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 I certainly think, did, and I certainly yeah. think a lot of people felt the same with Drogba. If he wasn't in the game, he wasn't in the game. And I've seen him have—I saw him have some appalling games where I, quite frankly, would have been glad never to have seen him wear a Chelsea shirt again. Yeah. See, I, had attitude, I think I have the uh, advantage of not being a well-known persona, so I can absolutely deny ever having said anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But I, I, I just think that uh, I think you know, I'm, you know, it's all. It was only well game, Tony. You're right. I, I, I just picked it up. It sort of bugged me in the second half a bit. Um, Actually, I didn't want to introduce this as a session for slagging of Torres. No, because um, I think he is a lot more. I'd like to think uh, I wasn't slagging it. I'd like to. No, no, but um, I didn't want to. We'll, you know, we might all end up rubbishing him. But I think he is doing a lot more than last season. Oh yes, and actually, right. he is holding the ball up better. But yeah. all, all I've. I'm still not com- fully convinced, and um, for a player of his quality and price tag, and I know he can't help the price tag, but you know he has to live with it. Mm-hmm. You would expect him to be a bit more clinical on a one-on-one. Yeah, yeah. yeah I must admit, I, d- I don't actually recall how good he was one-on-one um, when he was playing for Liverpool. I, whether it's ever been his, his strong suit or not, I'm not sure. But um, I think, aside of you know, obviously there's this sort of key moments where that's not been the case and you know rounding Valdez last season in the new camp was um, was one of them but um, it's that it's that almost sort of slightly Solomon Kalu-esque don't give him a chance to think yeah he's, he's probably you know the goal he scored against we'll get on to Arsenal in a minute but the goal he scored against Arsenal was brilliant because it was it was good instinctive forward play you know the ball comes into him he's stuck behind a defender so well I'll lob a foot round him and we'll see what happens that's good for you know that's the mark of a very good striker it's improvising it's it's thinking on your feet yeah. but and he, I, did, he did score you could say the crucial goal on Saturday in the you know he's gone down 1-0 you know yes people like Mark probably remain confident people like myself you know were heading for the razor blades um, he you know, he scored a very good goal, you know, clinically finished it with a very good header, only minutes later, and that sort of cleared the decks then, and, and they were off and running, if you know what I mean, whereas, you know, it's still early days, a little bit of a setback, you know, if, if Norwich had dug in, it starts to become hard, a bit like it was against Stoke, you know what I mean? It's So, uh, you know, fair play to him, he, he got the goal that... that Got the game back on track, and you know it was a very well taken goal. Mm. Uh, it was it was just you know I don't want to become known as a <clears throat> as a uh, Torres whatever I would I wouldn't say hater, but a Torres doubter. I just no, I think he's 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 winning more people over. I think that the issue is it's always that classic thing of the price tag is is that people will mm. have unnatural expectations for a fifty million pound player, and that's one yeah. of those things. You know. I, 
I think the, the main thing for him is is, is that ultimately, you know, I've said this before, but what you pay that kind of money for a striker for is, you know, you see, you look on the back page of the paper the morning after and it says Manchester United nil, Chelsea won, Torres 82nd minute. And, you know, that puts us three points ahead in, in the race for the title. It's it's that kind, you know, you buy them to, you spend that kind of money on the best strikers because they're the, the players who will hopefully make a difference in the tight games. Yeah. And I think that's that's the issue is, you know, Drogba was the consummate big game player, you know, in a semi-final or a final, he pitched up and, you, mm. you know, you knew you were going to get a goal. Torres, I think people don't think that and they also, I think what people also feel is that if you actually put him out under that kind of pressure, he'll just melt. Mm. Um, but then, you know, against that, you sort of, I think back to the night where I was just slamming my hand down on the bar counter in disbelief, you know, yeah. screaming my head off as, you know, he came on and, yes, the game was won, you could say, or that we were through if we held on, but he, he you know, helped. he certainly helped, so... Yeah. I misunderstood that. I, I thought you'd slammed your hand down on the bar counter because someone had asked you to buy a round. <laughs> oh! Oh, dear. Oh. That's, that's pistols and fingers, that is, isn't it? <laughs> that's terrible. Gentlemen, seconds, hamster teeth at 6am tomorrow morning. <laughs> I thought, uh, you, uh, I, I'm, I'm, what, what, I'm what kind of shock would that be on hamster teeth? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not going. Choose your second. Yeah. Uh, oh, dear. Um, Actually, on BBC Match of the Day, um, Alan Shearer did say after the Norwich game that we were the closest thing in England to Barcelona. Hmm. Now, whether we want to play like Barcelona and whether we like... I thought it was just shit geography on his part. But yes. Sorry, <laughs> It's irrelevant. He did mean it as the sort of highest kind of compliment. So hmm. we have to be... You know, sometimes we say we, we, we don't get the coverage we want in the press. Well, someone has just paid us the ultimate compliment. Yeah. But it was Alan Shearer. No, no, he, he was a good player. Premier League's top scorer. Mm. Alan Shearer. The dullest pundit in the history of football, but you know we won't hold that. Well, we should hold it against him, really. Yes, he's making an enormous amount of money for talking. Right, we. Uh, I don't get paid for this, so you know. Do you not? Bloody hell, no. region. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I can sit here and talk shite. I'm, I'm having a clear conscience, I'm, but you know, he's getting I'm, paid for it. I'm grateful with the fee I'm getting for this, Dan. Mm. I didn't realise you weren't getting a fee. Oh, I, I was going to no, say. I, I, think we, we I, I, I didn't feel it. I didn't feel it was fair. You know, I think it's it's a bit of care in the community, as far as I understand it. <laughs> My psychiatrist said it would help, and Keeps the, boys, the, the boys have you know been good enough to give me this opportunity. Oh dear me! Um, so I think that uh, to anyone anything to add on the uh, Norwich game? Did did Delia disgrace herself at any point? Or no, she didn't no. see it. To be honest, I tell you, I tell you, the one moan you could have. And it's not so much a moan against the referee because it's going to happen in these games. And as I've said, I'd rather he gave us the penalty in the crucial one than in a game where we're 3-1 up. But there were two nailed-on stone certain penalties and probably a couple of others as well. Fair play, you take it on the chin. What really knacked me off was, and again, I, I shouldn't waste my head banging I shouldn't bang my head against a brick wall. Well, I don't because I'm in a padded cell, but, you know, the rest of you would be banging your head against a brick wall. Match of the day, having done a job on us after the Stoke game, 
you know, pointing out where Ivanovich is rather blatant diving around, um, failed to cover adequately the fact that Hazard, you know, was, was knocked off the ball in a, in a blatant penalty. Terry had his shirt nearly ripped off his back. And there was a couple of other decent shouts, you know, and, and they were very, very quick to go after Chelsea a couple of weeks ago for the simulation. And now, a week or so later, we don't get anything. And, you know, they didn't even show a couple of the incidents. And I thought that was a bit mm. a bit off. You know, they, 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 they're happy to point out the bad bits. Um, you know, and I don't mean that they should just go after the referee, but they, they could maybe talk about what sort of atmosphere is there around football at the moment with, you know, the media screaming about simulation all the time. What sort of pressure is that putting on referees and so on? So that's just a, a whinge, by the way. I tell you what, if someone sends a t- tweet with the word fuck in it, it'll bring it to prominence fairly quickly, I would have thought. Um, <laughs> a little bit of football politics there. Um, yeah, I think... I, the, the issue that I think will, and I hope it doesn't, I think will come up with Hazard at some point is, is you know, he, he's probably going to have, we've said this before, he's probably going to have to lose a leg to before he gets a penalty again. Um, my concern is that someone will pitch in with, a, well, he's, you know, he's, he's clearly dived there and, you know, he wonders why he doesn't get one and, and you know, someone will desperately try and hang a reputation around him. Mm. Um but other than that charity shield nonsense, he's not really done a lot of it, you know, compared to the Suarez's and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's a, he's a fairly robust guy, you know, in yeah. terms I mean, of... Ivanovic has been guilty of throwing himself around a bit, but Hazard hasn't, and, and, you know, Hazard is the one who's... You almost think he got so many penalties so quickly that, you know, a sort of red light, the bat phone went on at referees HQ, and, you know, you can't have a situation in football where a player, the same player gets a penalty every week but you look at every Chelsea game this season and there probably was a reasonable penalty shout against yeah. Hazard in every game in pretty much every one yeah no I agree actually it's um, well I think the last one and there, there was all sorts of debate over it and he wasn't even a particularly high profile player at the time um, was um, when Palace were last in the um, in the Premier League and Andy Johnson I think he won about 10 or 11 or something ridiculous like that um, just because he was you know he was just quite fleet of foot in the box he had a fairly low centre of gravity and you know people kept sticking their foot out and he kept hitting the deck mm. now you know we, we we refer to Michael Owen's comments at aforementioned leaders in football conference which is taking place at the bridge at the moment where he he said something I think he, he put a percentage it was something like 75% of penalties are probably you know the, the player hitting the deck unnecessarily and he admitted to doing it himself which obviously is not, doesn't didn't come as any great revelation to anyone in football, I don't think. Right. But, um, but yeah, again, you know, are, are referees influenced by talk like that? Yeah, Who I believe uh, the he, he did he changed uh, the whole of um, uh, the Argentinian national team's policy on kit um, after that particular World Cup because they always used to starch their shorts, but never again. You know, <laughs> it was enough to bring him down, wasn't it? Whose shorts did he catch? They were flapping there in the wind. They were just a bit too heavily starched, and it brought him over. <laughs> I can't remember actually, but yeah, I think yeah, it's it's one of the uh, this weekend. I think 
it's what frustrates people about the FA, you know, whether there is good reason for it or not. But you had the, the sort of the three key incidents this weekend. It was Huth stamping on Suarez. Um, Suarez is a, a quite extraordinary dive um, against Stoke, which just defies belief. The more you see it, the more the more you have to laugh at it. Um, and Van Persie wafting his elbow about, um, you know, none of which get punished, but someone says twat on a tweet, and mm. the world goes nuts. So it, it's it's why the FA is such a frustrating organisation for many people because you know, x million people have sat and watched all those games and have blatantly seen dive stamps elbows lord knows what and no action is taken and you know it doesn't give you a great deal of confidence in the people who are running I mean given that given that Pulis was on about simulation again did match of the day do a similar job on Liverpool to what they did on Chelsea I had to, did I they say no, no. isn't it extraordinary that you know Chelsea did all this supposedly to you know uh, shouty Tony's team the other week and now shouty Tony's team has had it done to them again you know, no one's listening to us. Look at this, showing a, uh, a plethora of Liverpool players hitting the deck in all sorts of ways. I take it they didn't do that. I, I, I didn't see it, but I suspect probably not. No. Yeah. Anyway, let's pass on. We've got so many, so many other lovely games to talk about. Indeed. Um, well, I think, um, and Arsenal is the um, is the obvious one. Obviously, we, I think sandwiched in between. I've completely lost track of what's been happening. Um, sandwiched in between. Norwich and Arsenal was um, a, our sojourn to Copenhagen, as far as I can recall. Am I right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Which, yeah. again, it was kind of it was one of those sort of classic. Well, the scoreline didn't tell the entire story. Sort of games in the sense that, all right, you know, the job was we we got the job done. It all worked out fine, but there were a couple of nervy moments at one nil where you thought. We could, we could well find ourselves. It was, I think it was Valencia last season where we were mm. one nil up and Kalou stuck his arm out and or yeah. Leverkusen. I can't remember which one, but where we were, we were riding our luck a little bit. And then the, the flurry of goals at the end was probably a little bit flattering, albeit that we were obviously the more, the more fit and arguably more professional team. Well, it was flattering, and I don't even necessarily think it was because we were the more fit. It was that. As far as I could tell, they elected to play a very, very hard pressing game all over the pitch. And that was part of the reason that I think we struggled. They, they, they had a, a really, you know, high up the pitch all, press. Yeah. And there was two or three, if you dwelt on the ball, there were three players around you. Now, <clears throat> short of, you know, taking a bit of what the US Postal had, you are not going to keep that up for 90 minutes. And, they hit the bar there at about 70 minutes, which would have made it one all. And almost from that moment on, you know, 70, 75 minutes, you can't keep that sort of hard pressing up for no. 90 minutes. And It's where the fitness told, didn't it? You know, yeah, but even if we weren't that fit, they were always going to start tiring. And we hadn't been doing that sort of pressing. So, you know, they... Without without seeing it, you couldn't really tell whether they were physically fitter than, than Chelsea without seeing the numbers. But in terms of they chose or had to in the way in, to fulfil their game plan, they had to expend all their energy early on. You know that energy was going to be gone by seventy minutes, and once seventy minutes passed, if they if they hadn't got a goal up or something to hang on to the gaps were going to appear, but they were still having to chase the game at 1-0. So 
so the gaps were there, so we scored the goals. That's how I saw it. It's a bit simplistic, but as I watched the game unfold, I was getting frustrated that Chelsea couldn't break this very, very, very disciplined press that was going on all over the pitch. But at the back of my mind was the fact, well, they won't keep this up. As long as we don't slip up, they can't keep this up all game. And so it proved. You know, the, the reason Barcelona can do it for 90 minutes is that they do it very quickly, they get the ball back and then rest on the ball for an enormous amount of time. Yeah, that's, that's Danes didn't have the ball for that long enough. They, they, they played it around at the back in order to get a bit of a rest, but they couldn't keep the ball for long enough to give themselves a rest. Yeah, yeah very true, very true. Um, Mark, you obviously you went to Copenhagen. I did. Your thoughts on the trip? Enjoyable? Very enjoyable. Um, I went with my wife, and we'd always wanted to have a trip to Copenhagen, so it seemed an ideal opportunity, so we spent two days there. Excellent. And um, Copenhagen is a very nice city. And we were in a very attractive part of town called Nyhaven, which is... Um, full of colourful buildings and boats right down by the harbour right. op- opposite the um, Noma world famous three month waiting list Michelin starred restaurant mm-hmm. we didn't go there <laughs> um, but all the, actually all the food we did have in Copenhagen I don't know if any of you have been to Denmark was incredibly salty really? uh, and I'm not, no, I'm no, not no, sure no. if um, that was the sort of cause of what made the Vikings so angry that they all had high blood pressure or something <laughs> they tasted really salty uh, right, um, I, I've not been but um, I shall bear that in mind for um, any future visit but um, but the game itself um, it'll be the only group game I go to this season um, I won't go to Juventus or to um, Ukraine and it felt very much like the only group game I went to last season which was Genk mm. and that one, we actually did draw one, having taken the lead. And after 70 minutes, it felt just like Genk again. I, I felt sure they were going to equalise. And my heart was in my mouth when um, they hit the post. Yeah. But I think they could have kept going, um, the Danes, and, and showed um, resistance for longer before collaborating, which actually is the opposite of what they did in the 40s. But they collaborated... <laughs> token resistance towards the end but um, had, it, had it not been for Luis's free kick I think they would have held on mm-hmm. and um, you know that the free kick and the goal from the free kick wasn't necessarily because they were tiring it was just a good strike from a free kick and once they went down to 2-0 yeah. I think they thought you know we've had enough of this and then we just ran riot and if Carlsberg did flattering scores 4-0 would be it yeah. <laughs> a very, a very good point indeed. Um, I have to say, it was one of those moments where, um, you know, we were obviously, we're one nil up and uh, things are getting a little tight. Um, Lewis stepped up to the ball and I thought, oh Christ, here it comes, Rose Ed. Whoa, <laughs> great goal! Um, you know, yeah. pr- proving that obviously we we, we know nothing about football um, as always. But um, yes, I was, I was sure it was going into Rose Ed. <laughs> One other point to mention on Copenhagen is um, it is interesting when you travel abroad to see the different um, attitudes they have towards fans. Mm. And there was a great big net in front of the whole away end, right. which, which apparently is there every week. It wasn't there just for Chelsea. It's always up there. Uh, but um, they allow smoking in the stadium and they allow beer in the seats. So, you know, like when you go to cricket, you have these cardboard holders that will take four or five pints at a time. Yeah, You've got people coming in and out of the... Uh, ground while the game is going on 
bringing pint after pint after pint, and everybody round by me was completely drunk, <laughs> but well behaved. I mean, you just had to look in their eyes, and they looked completely glazed. And and most of them were facing the other way, talking to their mates, which I never <laughs> understand why people go all that way to watch a game and actually don't watch it. But despite well, I, thought, the, I thought UEFA had a rule that you weren't allowed to. That's s- what I thought. But despite the yeah, fact alcohol that's... was flowing um, incredibly rapidly and freely. Mm. It didn't actually um, make it an aggressive or nasty or unpleasant atmosphere. Everybody was jolly, but mm. not, you know, well-behaved. And uh, it just shows what you can do. Maybe um, we, sh- we should allow standing and drinking again. Well, there was, there was something... Oh, I saw it on Twitter. Was it the, the FA supported? Is it Amanda Jacks? Um, I'm sure it was... Yeah, football's, she attached football's it. federation, yeah. Yeah, she attached... I'm sure it was some piece of research or it was an article quoting various bits of research that were saying that it is something of a fallacy that alcohol is the major contributory factor to violence at football. And, you know, it was it was sort of proper research rather than just, you know, a few people telling their stories. Um, and I think it, it did revolve around this business of the real hard-nosed violence is, is pre-arranged and has nothing to do with, with drink. You know, you... Yeah. You will have situations, just as you do in any social situation, where some people get out of order on drink, and obviously stewarding and policing has to take that into account. But that, you know, tear-ups, you know, through city centres, window smashing and all that, wouldn't, you know, drink of itself wouldn't... um, And I, I think there's something to be said for that, because I think an awful lot of people, myself included, have a few drinks before a game. So, you know, people are already going into the ground, you know, with a few drinks and probably drinking more quickly before they get into the ground because they know they can't have a beer in the ground, you know, so you get that fueling up effect. But, you know, mm. well, it, it's an interesting point. Well, I mean, it is. It's, um, <clears throat> I always I always kind of go back, and this is, I know we're digressing a little bit, but it's an interesting point. Um, I always got, when I went out to, um, Dortmund in 2006 of the World Cup. Um, Dortmund's ground is fantastic, and if you ever get the chance to go there, it's just one of those two. It was great on the telly. You have to see. It is just extraordinary. Um, the capacity was reduced for a World Cup game because they didn't allow standing, and they've got the two gargantuan terraces behind the goals. Mm. Um, where, you know, if, if you want to watch, you know, Borussia Dortmund Schalke, which apparently is one of the, the tastier fixtures, um, you know, you can kind of pay sort of 16, 17 euros and you can stand there with a beer and, you know, you can, you can be on a terrace. And I, I've often wondered, you know, EasyJet fly direct to Dortmund. I've often wondered on a, on a, on a match day how cheap you could actually do a quick day trip stroke cheap overnight stay to Dortmund to see a game and what that would compare to a, a sort of a lumpy day out at Chelsea for you know with a category A game of you know 60-70 quid a ticket or whatever it happens to be with food and everything else I suspect it's probably not a huge amount of difference but, um, but anyway I digress mm-hmm. um, how, how, interest, just out of interest Mike how much was the ticket because they didn't actually play in um the, the Nordsjælland Stadium, did they? They, they? Obviously, they played in Copenhagen because their ground is only got something like a ten thousand capacity and just isn't up to UA for standards. Um, as chance would have it, I have the um, ticket on my desk in front of me. Uh-huh. All I've got to do now is find my glasses, 
which you're I can't. Obviously, you're obviously filling out an expenses sheet. That's why it's so close to hand. <laughs> I wish I could. I'm self-employed. <laughs> it's tax deductible. <laughs> yeah. I'm just reading a little book at the moment, um, Tax for Dummies, by, um, what's his name? Jimmy Cow. <laughs> I can't actually see the price on this. Back in the day, we would have said Ken Dodd, but, you know... It's yeah. 45, yeah, £45. Pounds. Um, the group stage matches in um, Stanford Bridge are £35, pounds, so it's a bit of a rip-off, yeah. so they're, they're trying to, you know, milk it. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, it's it's something I think we should we should probably cover at, at another time, but I think... Um, because the the way game at Swansea went on sale uh, yesterday or today and sold out fairly quick. Cause it's I was shocked by that. I wanted to go to that, and I, mean, um, I normally get onto the thing at one second past um, seven, yeah. and I got on at quarter to eight, and it said it was sold out. I can't believe it. Mm. But the, the the ticket had gone up ten quid since last year as well, apparently, mm. from what I read on on you know various sort of blogs and forums and so forth. Um, they you know they sh- they shoved their ticket price for us up a tenner. Obviously, Arsenal's was you know the most ridiculously expensive one of the season. Um, but as, as we're probably going to get onto Arsenal now, can I just interject that there was some figures? Uh, I think there's a Man United guy produced some figures about um, the away crowds that they got at um, Old Trafford last season, and. <clears throat> Chelsea were, were not one of the not the highest. I forget who the highest were now, but of the sort of bigger teams and the London teams, um, we had the highest. We had a whacking great seven more people than Arsenal did at the away game at Old Trafford last season. And I think you know those seven people should be found and given an award because obviously it gives us a, you know a biggie against the arts in that we take a much, much, much bigger crowd away than they do. Mm. A whole seven more people. So there's something to mention to any goon, you know, when you meet them. Indeed, indeed. But um, we shall shall ponder the Arsenal game now. a great result, obviously, and, and you know one of the one, one of the any number of games that will be deemed our first big test of the season. Um, it, it, for me, it was sort of a, a decent performance. I don't think either side looked terribly good. It was a generally quite a cautious game, from what I can recall of it. Now, you know, <coughs> two weeks down the line or whatever it is. Um, but you know, the right result. Um, Torres got a great goal. Um, the equaliser, the, the defending looked a bit shoddy. I think Luis was probably at fault, if we're honest, because he seemed to step back off um, Arsenal scorer. Forget it, I can't remember. Jovino, <laughs> wasn't it? Jovino, that's him. Yeah. That haircut should be illegal already. The bloke with the funny, ha- funny haircut, yeah. Um, and um, obviously, you know, Arsenal's um, you know much vaunted improvement at defending set pieces um, seems to have fallen to, fallen to pieces fairly quickly. Um, anyone go? No, no, I just saw it on, TV. on, on, on the, the screen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tony, you, you've been reasonably quiet for a little while. Chip us your four penneth in. I I was at the um, enjoying a very nice day at the Fleet Air Arm. You know. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
get myself thoroughly excited over um, various fab- fabulous aircraft, not least of all Concorde, but uh, uh, watched it on a rerun or a whatever you call it these days when you tape something or you don't even tape it anymore, do you? you just sort of capture it in some sort of magical little box somewhere. Um, I thought it was a, a, a brilliant performance and one of the best we've put in against Arsenal in recent years for sure. Um, mm because um, when we had the kind of Mourinho hex over them and it didn't matter what they did they could bounce it around all over the place and we had Drogba and he would terrorise them and all that the last couple of years was, sorry to interrupt but there was, there was that fantastic I mean Drogba was their absolute nemesis oh. there was that fantastic game at the bridge where it was, it was heading towards nil-nil and I can't, really, I can't remember who delivered the ball in but, but Drogba literally fell over it bounced yes. off his shin and went in yes. and still won. <laughs> it really um, was just that alpha I believe he did, a, he, did a, he did a sort of a Peter Osgood kind of held his hands out um, Peter Osgood yeah. was very famous he did that a few well, you know, a few decades ago now as if to say uh, does it matter you know it's gone yeah, in well um, there you go um, and uh, I, I just you know, I felt that after the sort of disappointing games we had against Arsenal in, in you know, see, uh, recent years, especially last year's, um, you know, entertaining but rather soul-destroying home defeat, when uh, you know we managed to score three goals but uh, managed to concede five, um, I thought it was a very good performance, and I think it's actually put down a marker to um, to Wenger's Arsenal and to the other clubs because it was all it was everyone was pulling this one up as our big test. You know, we we were sat pretty at the top of the league. We'd had the only disappointing result really was QPR. Um, uh, you know, and we've all said it before. That's their FA Cup final, etc. Um, and frankly, in, in, in the in the context of things, it wasn't actually a disappointing result to have to have left that part of West London with you know no controversy, yeah. sendings off, and a point. <laughs> Was was actually quite decent at the time. I think. Yeah, so, exactly. I see um, what you mean. Yeah. But I, I think with, with the Arsenal game, it was you know it was a lot of build up uh, in the press about you know it was a real test of Chelsea. I think even amongst their own fans, um, and so to go to their home ground um, to win, I thought Torres' goal was fabulous. And if, yeah, if it had been any cool. other player, we'd have been. But what you got in the press, of course, was Arsenal conceded two soft goals. And 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 I'm going to refer back to something I wrote in. Uh, one of the blogs, one of the comments, or whatever. This uh, this culture of Hansenism, where every goal is some defender's fault, and I think to myself, is that is that the case? In in that case, then there's no such thing as a fabulous goal from a fabulous striker. Um, you know, if someone scores a thirty yarder, it's because no one closed him down. Um, mm. uh, and and I just find it a little bit tiresome. Quite frankly, when I see this, it see it's a bit of laziness. People are going, "Ha, huh, well, you know," and that was a defensive error. Well, the, was it? the, 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 the Hanson the Hansen is the thing is a good point because you know he, he is on record, and I suppose there is an element of truth to it that you know there, there's always a mistake, there's always a defensive error, even when the goal is phenomenally crackingly good. Some, you know, there is a reason why the player has been allowed to you know take a chance. Yes, some. More, you know, there are bigger er- errors than other, but I kind of see his point, and I see your point as well. But yeah, I, I, just I digress. Find it, you know, it, 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 I just sit there and I think the minute he starts talking, I think, oh, here we go, it's going to be defensive error again. It was a good performance. We were the better team. I think it was mm. a deserved two-one win. I think the score actually reflected it quite correctly as well. You know, and the balance of play across the game and how we played, how they played, and and everything like that. Bearing in mind. Um, you know, to, to have—I I can't remember what the final possession stats were—but they were pretty even. 
um, I believe. You know, it, normally in games against Arsenal, it ends up a sort of you know sixty forty in their favour, but we've never let them any do anything with it. In this particular case, I think we've put down a marker that says, um, you know, we're a work in progress. We've just started on this road to, um, you know, this fabulous all basketball, you know, into passing fabulous football or whatever and we've we've gone and beaten a very good team a team that the week before were unlucky to just get a draw against Manchester City in my view because I mm. think for that they battered Manchester City for the last 20 minutes and they really looked like they were going to take them apart yeah. so um, a good result and, and good to see I think you know players coming through and, and I think it's all starting to gel a little bit better we have doubt, doubts you know there's doubts about Louise and then it always Ramirez the player or was Oscar a little bit too slight and this sort of stuff and we're seeing these players now starting to find their feet and that, that's one of the most encouraging things for me this you know three seasons ago when we were crying out for some youthful uh, energy and, and creativity or whatever and we weren't getting it we were almost in that rigid power style of football to see what we did against Arsenal was most encouraging and I don't really have as great a fear going into the away game against Spurs and then the inevitable home game against United that I did have having seen both them sides I think um, my my sort of, my issue with us still is that we are when we're out of possession we seem to be out of possession for, for longish periods of time or certainly long enough to give chances away it hasn't really been such a huge issue up until now but you know coming up you know Spurs are creating a lot of chances at the moment I think it's it's sort of the ultimate nightmare game in the sense that with everyone having leapt all over VS Boas and obviously he wasn't the right man for us but you know he's clearly by no means a bad coach because he seems to be you know pulling Spurs together again very early days it's true um and we had a, sorry, go on, Matt. We had a good run with him for six games. We did, we did. <coughs> I shall I shall hold on to that one for, <laughs> for <laughs> But I th- you know, I do weekend, think I think overall um, we're seeing better stuff. I mean I think, you know, defensively we look a, a little bit more solid. Where do we get this? I know David Luiz is slightly cranky, but you know, you know, Cavallio could have his moments as well. And we you know, we've I think we've got, kinda of got used to it. I don't think anyone will ever get to where we were defensively in the same way that Arsenal will never get you know near to bold Winterbourne uh, Dixon uh, Adams or whatever again um, and you know you, you sometimes you just have to take that on the chin a little bit but when you see some of the stuff in midfield and the way these players are linking up with Matter and you know I'm, I, I think it's very exciting I really do and I think Arsenal to their credit you know, it, it wasn't one of those games where Wenger comes out and says financial doping or bloody bloody blah, blah. You know, I think he just had to take that one on the chin. Yeah, no, I think yeah, we're ultimately the, the best team overall, without question. But um... we seem to control the game for quite long periods, and then, I mean, particularly when they scored just before half time, there was like a ten minute period where <clears throat> someone had to go off, and Oxley Chamberlain came on, and suddenly. On, right, on the right-hand side, they always seem to have a three-on-two situation or a two-on-one going on. And from having sort of spent half an hour not getting really getting behind us or being able to really do any damage, they suddenly seem to have the run of the place for, for ten minutes and, and yeah. scored. Um, and then we came back way. out and, and seemed to have solved that and got back on top and then lost the grip. You know, it's, it's the backwards and forwards that happens in a 
in a game. But I, I, I can see what uh, what uh, JD was sort of getting at in that sometimes, yeah, we <laughs> happen with Juventus as well. We let the other team have the ball a bit too, you know, to build up ahead of steam. And um, I'm not sure, you know, whether that's uh, wise when we're when we're perhaps on the balance we've got slightly more attacking resource than we have defensive resource compared to how we used to be mm. although I think the positive thing from the Arsenal was the the, the Mikel Ramirez um, combination in midfield seemed to work quite well that's not yeah. to decry Lampard but it was just that seemed to be the sort of game where those two operated <coughs> better as a as a as a pair than, than Mikel and Lampard would do in a similar situation well, it's, um, actually, it was intriguing. I tried to. I never, never actually found the answer. Um, but obviously, Drogba was was their their absolute nemesis. But I was trying to work out the last time we beat them in the league without either Drogba or Lampard in the side. Now, I've got a feeling it goes back to eighty nine ninety when John Bumston scored at Highbury. We beat them blimey. I genuinely can't find. I, I've been through to a, to a degree. We beat them five nil at Highbury in the um, in the League Cup in Viali's era, and then all of the we, we'd not we'd not beaten them in the league for absolutely bloody eons until we've had a dis- we had a, turned up. Absolutely, we'd had an absolutely dismal record. I mean, uh, and nothing summed it up any more than being two nil up at Stamford Bridge on a shitty Saturday, sat in the wet stand, oh, well, in the can, West Stand with no again, bloody yeah. roof on it. Yes, and and lo- I like many others stood there when Carnu came on and went who, and by God did he th- shove who he was back down our throats that day. And I recall it well in the sense that I was attending a wedding that evening in yeah. uh, North London full of Arsenal oh. fans that was fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> I just want to mention uh, uh, Donald just just touched on it there the, the Tone you're, uh, you're, breaking, you're, breaking up. you're breaking up slightly old son if you, uh, uh, is, you that is that better is that better is that better Hello, hello, hello. hello. Yep, yeah, you're good, you're good, that's better. Okay, um, I just want to say that um, after the slaughtering that Mikel took against the, after I think it was the Juventus game, um, he's just come into a, 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 a superb. lovely rich run of form, but also Petr Cech, who, uh, I shouldn't call him Petr, it's Peter as far as I'm concerned, but I'm not, I'm not Czech myself, you know, but uh, he has been <laughs> fab, fantastic, and, and somewhere back to where he used to be, I think, you know, when we think, I think the whether the... Champions League final um, finally restored the last bits of confidence, you know, from the, the head knock or whatever. But he's been outstanding, I think, absolutely outstanding. Mm. Mm. Yes, yeah, he so made two great saves against Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, I saw an interesting. I think it was on Football Three Six Five, but it was it was sort of stat based and not their usual sort of flatulent wafflings. Um, about, <laughs> I, I, I hate them, but that will good. Sorry, I, I don't yeah. like to use bad language any more than is entirely necessary but it's just a shocking sight but yes. anyway but there was a, a thing about the I think it's the 10 best keepers in I think it was the 10 best keepers in the country and Czech was about number th- I think it was about number 3 or number 4 I can't remember what but that's that's not the point the point was was that he had a far worse dis- we've banged on about this for donkey's years and probably plenty of times on, on this here podcast his distribution was worse than anyone else's which I think is quite telling because it's one of the things that everyone still comes back to about Czech you know he's a brilliant shop stopper he commands his area well or better certainly better than he used to when he first arrived but his distribution 
is mm. still pretty poor. Unless he always he seems to take the, yeah. you know, the long ball option when it comes back. He, it, it's almost like he's still playing with Drogba up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think you know it's the sort of thing that maybe needs to be concentrated upon a little more carefully um, in you know in the new area of a small tippy tappy passy Chelsea with with players that aren't six foot four and, and able to muscle their way into into games. But yeah. that's you know I digress. That's but it's a very good point. He is still on excellent form. Um, any other points about De Ars that anyone would like to make? Ah, just the bragging rights so, uh, are. Uh, Beautiful, aren't they? When you get them, always very pleasant. We, we broke some other record, didn't we? The only team to have is it won twice or something in the Premier League at, at the Emirates. Yes, uh, yeah, that's right. Because we beat them three. Given the place has only been up a couple of years, it's probably it's <laughs> not <bad. laughs> any, no, anything, any grist to the mill. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's always always very useful, very useful. Mm. Um, but yeah, no. So all, all things. Well, well, I wouldn't write fun. them off. I, I, I you know, I, I think they're. I think it's still a decent side. That they are. No, no uh, question about that. The only thing that I think would worry me as the season develops is that, uh, you know, Steve Bold needs to get himself a tailor and, and a, pop, a proper trouser. I think <laughs> the last the last man who has seen to persist with the shorts wearing in any weather has just recently been sacked by Bolton. So, you know, the auspices are not good for him if he doesn't... Uh, he doesn't don a proper pair of trousers. I think you've probably just bought yourself a, 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 a sartorial corner on uh, on the podding shed. <laughs> we, will, we will call on you once a week. Which was someone who dresses like a sack of shit tied up clear. Is irony piled on irony? But this, but this, this, this is this is technically radio, so you don't need to worry about that. <laughs> so yeah, I think. But I have now. Got, I've got this horrendous vision of of uh, Donal um, uh, with you know. Sort of spiked black hair and a big pair of glasses saying, Hello, people, <laughs> aka Gok Wan, our very own Gok. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> oh dear. It's, it's, I'm having a tough night tonight, being accused of not buying drinks and looking like Gok Wan. Yes. It's not a good, uh, it's not a good start. So, yeah, I think, I think we'll. we'll... Revisit that Do- Dr. Blue Bayou's Fashion Corner. Yes. <laughs> you, can, you, you, can watch, you can watch the coverage this weekend of, uh, it, well, it'll be internationals, but if you can you can find someone to pick holes in and offer sartorial advice to, then uh, then please do. Um, <laughs> I think that sort of probably rounds us up. I would I would throw it open to the floor if anyone else has anything to add. I please. Do. Some, uh, we have some uh, anything, really. Com- comparatively, I guess, sad news that uh, Helmut Haller uh, died today. Um, would interest you, I suppose, Johnny, uh, with your penchant for German football, but uh, age 73, I believe. Old, it, scored it? the first goal in the 1966 FA, uh, World Cup final. Yeah. Uh, right, oh, I didn't yeah. that. Helmut Haller. Gee. Um, uh, one for the teenagers there, but uh, yeah. I oh, know, quite, quite. He's, he, blimey, you know, he's quite, a, quite a handsome chap in his day, by the looks of it, from what I can recall. So, Talking of German football, the, the, I don't know if you follow it, but the Bundesliga highlights are all on on a Monday evening um, on ITV4. And, um, you know, it's, it's always worth watching. It's amazing how many names that we're familiar with crop up in the various teams and you know, we're sort of aware of German football, but I, for one, haven't really followed it closely enough. And I've, I've been quite, you know, there's some quite good entertaining uh, yeah. football to be seen. The, the stadiums look fantastic. You do see these huge yeah. crowds at all sorts of games, which, yeah. which you know, are impressive. But the, the, the quirk that it has is it's got this rather 
strange woman who introduces it. And then the commentators, you need to go away and listen to it and come back with your theory. My theory, which I developed in conversation with someone on Twitter recently, is that these guys are not football people. They probably rarely, if ever, watch football. And that they they are moonlighting from their translation work at Strasbourg Parliament. <laughs> and that they are actually... They are listening to a German commentator and translating what he says into English as the game goes on. It's the only explanation I've got for the most appalling voiceover nonsense. In, <laughs> you know, they, they do have all the argo, you know, and all the phrases, but they say them in a way that makes it sound like they're reading them for the first time. You, you have to listen to it and let me... I think we should make that discussion point for the next one. That's your homework. Go and watch the Bundesliga highlights on a Monday night and... Let's work out where they get the commentators from. Yeah, Julie noted. I, I must. I can't remember much about the identity. I used to watch an awful lot when I was working over there. But yeah. um, I mean, this is obviously a company that's, that's got the rights and has sold them into to the UK. And it's not the commentators who commentate on the Bundesliga no. in Germany. You see what I mean? It's sort of it's quite strange. And uh, and if I can just finish on, on German matters with a, a short joke. Uh, Angela Merkel was at the airport in Athens the other, the other couple of days ago and she was going through passport control. They asked her a name. She said, Angela Merkel. They said, occupation. She said, no, I'm only here for a couple of days. Put <laughs> <laughs> I'm here all week. Okay, well, I've had a thoroughly enjoyable night. I'm now sitting here with bated breath waiting to see whether um, seat 22F actually survived the plane crash on Channel 4, which has uh, <laughs> pretty much swamped my timeline. What? I deliberately chose it over the wing. Did you not see this? No, I, 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 I've... Uh, oh, my God. I, I hate boy. flying anyway, so I, I would have avoided it like the plague, but... Um, They've crashed a real Boeing 727 in a desert, and you were able, via Facebook or via their website, to book your virtual seat on it, and then they reveal afterwards whether or not the seat you chose... Whether you chose well, um, or whether God. you chose badly. Yeah, Boeing 727. Um, it's called... Uh, the, it is actually called the plane crash, and it's uh, you'll be able to get it on 4OD. Uh, but... I guess, I guess it wouldn't have been on many bars at Heathrow tonight. No, no, no. Sure. Well, the, the only piece of advice you need is to sit in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which is where I was, over the wing. Yeah, it was in, the middle of, in the middle of the wing, safest place. I know well, these things, so I hate flying. Uh, yeah, um, um, <laughs> one last German-related thing. Uh, Balak retired the other day. There was a very good piece written by someone, I think who might even listen to this podcast, Grant James. South Africa, he's on Twitter, actually. Oh, right. Grant James, CFC. He wrote it for football hyphenanalysis.com and it's sort of valedictory piece about Bannock's career which you know went relatively unremarked when it sort of finished uh, the other week yeah. and it's a very good piece and one worth reading if, uh, and I'm not I, again I'm not getting any fee for this uh, for this uh, fluffing up just, uh, uh, did, did I tell you I shook hands with Bannock when I was out in Monaco uh, yes, you, I think you, you did. did. You referred to shaking hands with an awful lot of people, but I didn't realise you were you because you, you were sat amongst the great and the good, weren't you? Yeah. Well, John Terry, of course, shook his hand. The, the great and the good, and obviously the you know the yes. and the racist I, I, wife I, shagging thugs as well. I, I, I have Michael Ballack's <laughs> photograph if you'd like evidence. Excellent work. Because um, yes. it's now turning into German night. Yes, it's, it is. Yeah. Well, we've got because we've got um, Kevin De Bruyne who's on on loan at Werder Bremen, and he's doing yes. quite well. I think he's scored. He's got um, he's got three goals and a couple of assists in, in the appearances he's made so far. So, well, 
Can I just say as well, uh, while we're on German, I, I did manage to, before we left to go on the ferry last week to uh, uh, for our final sojourn to France, uh, mm. watch the Borussia Dortmund um, Man City game, and Dortmund were fabulous. Good to, they yeah, were good breathtaking at times. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, no, they are, um, yeah, one, one to watch, so to speak. Um, one, one last one before we go. Um, someone has commented that uh, Rooney um, has been given uh, the armband and uh, it's expected that within a couple of weeks he'll be uh, able to dive in and pick up a brick in his pyjamas. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've lost it now. I was going to credit. I was going to credit. form this evening. I, I claim no... Uh, Nothing for these. It was something I just saw on here, and I can't find the guy's name now. But I assume it's a bloke. But yeah, <laughs> excellent um, So, well, um, in which case, I think we're probably around about done. Indeed. Yes. So I would uh, bid you, chaps. Uh, thanks as always. It was thoroughly enjoyable. I think we've rambled for the best part of an hour and three quarters. So, plenty for folk to listen to tomorrow. If you have any comments on how appallingly useless we are, and. Um, so forth then please do leave them on www.chelseafcblog.com um, we will return hopefully next week um, once we've got you know proper football back and um, we're not trying to conjure an hour up on, um, inter- on international break which I think would be nine impossible um, and we will see you the next time gentlemen good night good night good night, yes, good night.